Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That was uh, wonderful to have the choir here. Uh, Friday night, our, our Easter pecantata, uh, pecantata, depending on where you've come from today, uh, was a wonderful musical. Uh, I don't know, is my volume on out there? You guys here? They're asking. I think up a little. All right. Uh, wonderful presentation and just a great time of worship. So we just, uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. And that we did record that. At least it's on a, on a phone. And we sent that out this morning for you guys to enjoy before you even came to service today. Uh, and it is Easter Sunday. So uh, I was looking at all the topics we could talk about today. And I came up with the resurrection. So I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, there, of course, you do not have to, you know, teach on the resurrection for Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, but it has become uh, human tradition, you might say, to do so. Not that it is required uh, to to do that. It was actually a tradition that did not develop within the very early church. It is not prescribed to us to do such a thing, but it is totally fine to focus on the resurrection any time of the year, uh, not just today. And as we'll see today, the text that we're going to be covering. Uh, Paul teaches the most on the resurrection, and it's not even about, it's not even on Easter Sunday that he's doing such a thing, all right? But this will be our primary text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, this is one of the most applicable passages in the Bible that deals with the resurrection, uh, the mo- one of the most lengthy and just so many points of application that we're going to go over today. There's many different choices we could have gone, gone with today, but 1 Corinthians 15 is one of my favorites as it ties in the gospel, ties in the resurrection, and ties in just all these multiple points that you can leave here and apply on a regular basis. So let's begin. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, and unlike our usual Sundays, I'm just going to kind of walk us through this, this 1 Corinthians 15. We're not going to cover the entire chapter, but we'll kind of hit some places here and there. But if you would look at the first couple of verses with me. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now here Paul is simply reminding them, of the message of the gospel that he preached that they received. It was, he, they did not reject this message. He delivered the gospel. They received that gospel, and they are being saved by this gospel. It's extremely important, as it, we're getting into the resurrection, how the gospel and the resurrection go hand in hand, and they should not be separated, all right? So he's building up this gospel. I've delivered this gospel to you. Uh, You received this gospel, and this gospel is extremely important because it is the power of God to save. Romans 1.16, Paul uh, says something very similar here. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So this is what he is saying of the Corinthians. He declared the gospel, that God moved through that gospel, they received and believed in that gospel, and they were being saved by that gospel. Uh, what are people being saved from? They're being saved from their sin. They're being saved from the eternal wrath that that sin deserves. And that's why this message is so important. That's why it is the gospel, the good news, the greatest news that's ever been given to mankind. All of us will be gone one day off of this earth. Believe it or not, your body will stop working, right? 
10, 20, 30, 40, 50, some of you are optimistic, 100 years from now, you're not going to be here, okay? Uh, where are you going to be? Uh, the gospel ties into this. And without the gospel, there is no hope. Uh, so this gospel and the resurrection is so important to Paul, and he preaches them together. And the salvation uh, that we're saved from the wrath of God, we're saved from our sins, that's what he's ascribing back to the Corinthians here. They believed in the gospel, received the gospel. They are being saved from the wrath of God, saved from their sins. Now look at verse 3, and we'll go through verse 11. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is, in me, that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So again, we see a great resurrection passage here for Resurrection Celebration Day, where Paul is belaboring the point that he has given to them of what is first importance. This is the most important message I could possibly give to you. And uh, the vital component of it that he's talking about here is the resurrection from the dead with proof. Not only did Paul, who later saw Jesus uh, resurrected, right? But all these others that he lists saw him alive. Eyewitnesses accounts that he died, that he was buried. Then on the third day, he rose from the dead. This according to the scriptures, right? So all this is part of the gospel that he is laying out. Now, the point of this is, what would Paul say about a gospel declaration that did not include the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Something would be preposterous to Paul, like the gospel and the resurrection of Christ have to go together. If you take off the resurrection of Christ, it is such a vital component, the gospel is lacking. It's insufficient, right? And this is something that should not be. If you go back to Romans 1 again, just look back at Romans 1, 1 through 4. Turn there with me if you don't mind. I just want you to see, and you can go to multiple, multiple places. I looked this week where Paul is partnering the gospel with the resurrection, how important this is to, to stay in that message. But when Paul thought of the gospel, he thought of, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how vital it was to it. Romans 1, 1 through 4. And here, this, this ties in really good with this passage that we just read because Paul says, I delivered to you what I received. Where did Paul receive the gospel to give to them? He received it from God. And he says, this is the message that I have received, that I've given to you, you have believed and are saved. So that's an important message. We don't want to mess around with that message, taking things out of it, right? Especially the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Romans 1, 1 through 4, same thing. Paul lays this out, components of the gospel, and the resurrection is vital to it. Look what he says. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart 
for the gospel of God. And now he goes into that gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. In this passage, Paul lists the resurrection of Christ as vital information that must be included in the gospel, and we should certainly follow his example. Now, not by show of hands, but how many of you have heard a version of the gospel presented, or perhaps you've done it yourself, where you've left out that vital component? Uh, and not to be condemning, but to set the goal high for us, like, this is the message that we need to declare to the world. This is the message that Paul affirms in Romans 1.16 is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So if we leave that out, is that the gospel, right? This, this, is, this is very important. It's very important to Paul. It is the message that he declares to people. They are saved by that message, and we should stick to that same message because this message has the power of God behind it. Now, going down to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 15, verse 12. Turn back there with me. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. All right, now he's going, to be start, he's going to start tying this in together because there is some false teaching going around in Corinth that the dead, even in Christ, will not be raised. And it looks like it's physical and spiritual. Some belabor if it's one or the other, but it does look like it's coupled together, that there was a false teaching going around that this life is it and there is nothing afterwards, even if you are in Christ. There's no resurrection from the dead. So this is what he begins to deal with here in verse 12 after laying this great groundwork that I preach to you. This is the gospel. This is the, the resurrection of Christ, how important it is, but you need to apply this to your lives. Look at verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So here... Paul begins to reveal to the Corinthians, or reiterate, that the resurrection of believers is directly connected to the resurrection of Christ, that you will raise because he was risen. And these two things are, are tied together in such a way that one cannot be without the other. So if they were the false teachers were saying there is no resurrection from the dead, then he says then Christ has not risen from the dead. These two things are so tied together. And this is the point. It's so important to think on these things. Your resurrection from the dead. How do you know where you will go after you die? How do you know that you'll be reunited with your body one day? It all goes back to this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your resurrection and the resurrection of Christ are inseparably linked together. To deny either is to deny both. And that's Paul's point here. If you deny your resurrection... You might as well deny Christ as well because they're tied together. Now, the false teachers were saying that the resurrection of the dead is not important. Just live for now and that is sufficient enough. But Paul says that is not true and it is not even sufficient. All right. So we're going to get into basically two parts in this sermon. So far, what we've done is not a part, by the way. All right. Uh, two main parts that we're going to be coming to. Part one of this is 
If Christ did not rise from the dead, what then? All right, that's why kind of the argumentation Paul takes for this chapter. It's like, this is the resurrection. Christ has risen from the dead. 500 at one time saw him. The disciples saw him. Cephas saw him. James saw him. I saw him. The witnesses are still alive, many of them at that time. You can go talk to them. Paul could talk to you about seeing him alive. The resurrection has happened. What does this mean to you? All right, but verse 14, look what he says. And if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. So number one, he says, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then sharing the gospel is a useless message. The preaching that he refers to here is, is evangelizing, and there is no reason to share the gospel with anyone, he says, if Christ did not rise from the dead. Like, it's so vital, it's so important, it's so of first importance to the good news that if Christ did not rise, don't even preach. Don't even tell someone the gospel. It's not even worth it. It's, if this life is all there is, and we're not talking about eternity, he says, don't even preach it. Don't even talk about it. Don't even share the gospel with anyone. But we see Paul, obviously, did not believe that. He was radically saved on the road to Damascus. He goes into the place where he is supposed to take prisoners captive and arrest them and drag them out of their homes and wanting them to be put to death. And instead, he goes in, is radically saved, and then he is preaching to the same people, evangelizing them, proving from scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Radically changed. Then he spends his life running and fleeing and preaching, getting stoned, getting back up, preaching again, going to prison, going to jail, getting his whipped, whip, back whipped, and preaching more and more everywhere he goes. He does not stop, right? But he says, if Christ didn't rise, hey, this is a waste of time. Uh, also in this same verse, verse 14, if Christ did not rise from the dead, as he says your faith is in vain. So placing your faith in Christ is also useless. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, who is truly man, truly God, who lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is ruling and reigning very much alive and will be the final judge over all mankind. This is Jesus Christ. Now, if Jesus is still dead, then following Paul's logic, it does no good to have faith in a dead man. What does faith in a dead man accomplish? What power does that dead person have to affect your life? None, much less your entrance into heaven. So that's what Paul is saying. If Christ didn't rise, our preaching is useless. Evangelism is useless. The gospel is useless because the gospel doesn't have the power even to save. And then your faith in Christ is also useless. Your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. We've gone over that many times. And if your faith is in something else, a Jesus who is dead and in the ground, that is not a saving faith. We need the Jesus who lived, who died, who rose, who ascended into heaven. And this is the Jesus that Paul is preaching. Look at verse 15. He continues his argumentation. He says, if so if the dead are not raised, carrying this on. He says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. So what is he saying? He's saying here, if, if Christ did not rise from the dead, the gospel is not even true that he is declaring. He is misrepresenting God and he is even a false witness of God. 
if they are believing that they do not rise from the dead because their resurrection and Christ's resurrection are so tied together. You can't have one without the other. And so to deny that they're going to rise is a denial that Christ has risen. And that's what he's saying here. They are, that Paul, an apostle, and the other apostles, they're misrepresenting God if this is the case. So he's, saying, he's calling them back to believe in this message that I received, that you believed, this is the truth. Look at verse 17. He continues on. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are in your sins. Now, this is huge. Uh, he's saying if, if Christ is not risen, you, your sins are still with you. Every sin that you have ever committed, if Christ is not risen, is still with you. What does this mean? This means that they are not even saved, is what he's getting at. He said, if you don't believe that Christ has risen from the dead, that means your sins have not been paid for, they are, you have not been atoned for, you're not even justified in the eyes of God, you're not made righteous in the eyes of God, and your sins are still on you, with you, will go into judgment with you, and you will pay the price for them for all of eternity. Your sins are still with you. I mean, the greatest thing about being saved is your sins are removed. You indeed are forgiven. You have peace with Christ. As Jesus came to his disciples after he'd risen from the dead, comes in their room, and first thing he says is peace, right? Peace had been made between those who have faith in Christ and God by Jesus Christ, by his death, by his burial, by his resurrection. Now, this is, again, this is massive. Because everyone has sinned. Our, our faith is in Christ. Our salvation is being saved from sin, saved from wrath. Paul says if you deny the resurrection of Christ, you deny that your sins are even forgiven. Move on to verse 18. He continues. He says, Then those, still in the same context, then those who uh, have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. So if Christ did not rise from the dead... There is zero, no hope after death. They have perished. This is extremely important. As you think of believers that you know who have died in the faith, where are they now? Uh, there's great comfort for Christians to know that this is not the end. This, their death is only the beginning, you might say, of eternity. On my dad's tombstone, when we go to visit him, it literally says, it's not goodbye, but see you later. And every time I go there, I'm reminded of that. How can he say that? How can I go there? How can I get comfort after looking at this tombstone? Because of the resurrection. Because we know where he is at. His faith was in Christ. His, his, he's been saved, saved from his sin, guaranteed eternal life. So as this life it fades away, eternity, you might say, begins. He's in the presence of God. So, but he says here, if there's no resurrection, then the dead have just perished, and that is the end. It is just over. That's, there's nothing afterwards, all right? So he's tying all this together. Look at verse 19. In Christ we have hope. If, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Wow. So if Christ did not rise from the dead, number six, Christians should be the most pitied people on earth. If Christ did not rise from the dead, it's a make-believe story. 
It also discounts everything that Jesus had declared. It discounts what God had declared by the prophets in the Old Testament about the suffering Messiah, that he would live, that he would die, that he would rise from the dead. It discounts who Jesus is. It proves Jesus to be a false teacher, proves the prophets to be false teacher. Every, everything is done, and it's just a fa fantasy story made up. If Christ did not rise from the dead, we deserve to be pitied. People should look at us as we're going into church or representing Christ in this world and just shake their heads. Oh, look at that naive person who is believing in this fantastic tale. And he says not only should we be pitied, but of all the pitiness in the world, we should be the most pitied, all right? That's how important the gospel is. And if you discount the, the, uh, the resurrection, discount the resurrection, we deserve to be pitied. Look at verse 19 again. If our hope is only in this life, then it's, we should be pitied. But he's moving that hope off this life into eternal life. We'll get there in just a minute. Um, look at this next section. We'll begin here in verse 20. Paul makes his big transition at this point from this, this listing, and we'll come back to one other negative point uh, here in a few later on in the, this chapter as well. He kind of skips and then comes back too. Uh, but here in this next section, part two, you might say, uh, since Christ did rise from the dead. Now he takes up that argumentation, and it's, going to be a, it's just a counter of everything that we just read. Uh, look at verse 20. And this is a big, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And you can just hear him like, but these things are not true. Why? Because in fact, Christ did rise from the dead. Uh, the first fruits, he says, of those who have fallen asleep, for as a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. This is huge. This night, verse 20, 20, we could keep going. We'll stop there for right now. But, but this death is huge. Uh, all die in Adam, but all who are in Christ will be made alive. And that Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That Jesus Christ was the first fruit, the first uh, with many more har much more harvest to come, is the way they would speak of these things biblically. But the first fruits guaranteed the great harvest that is to come, and that we are going the those who have fallen asleep, those who will fall asleep someday before Christ comes. Jesus is the first fruit, but they will all rise physically and be with Him. Now let's move on quickly over here to since Christ did rise from the dead, we reverse all those negative points. Since Christ did rise from the dead, preaching or sharing the gospel is the most important message that could ever be told. It is not a useless, meaningless, futile, vain message, as he said it was, if Christ did not rise from the dead. It is a message of power that God uses to draw people to himself for salvation. How are people saved? Well, Paul lets us know. They cannot believe if they have not heard and they cannot hear unless someone tells them, right? So this message is vital to salvation. Paul had gone to the Corinthians. He spoke it. They received and believed it, and they were saved. The same exact thing happens today. The gospel must be declared. It must be spoken. And it is a powerful message that God supernaturally uses to draw people to himself for salvation. So the gospel is important. Number two, since Christ did rise from the dead, faith in Christ is not futile, but it is necessary for salvation. 
If you do not have faith in Christ, you are not saved. He said earlier, right, if, if Christ does not rise from the dead, preaching's in vain. Also, your, your faith is in vain, meaning wasted. You've put your faith in something that cannot save you. you put your faith in a dead man. But Christ did rise from the dead. He has all power. He reigns supreme. And this is where our faith is. It is not only not futile, but necessary for salvation. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. It is vital that your trust, your belief, is in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, for your salvation. Number three, since Christ did rise from the dead, we are not misrepresenting God when we tell people about Jesus Christ. We, as Paul, are rightly representing God by teaching the truth about how a person can be saved. The resurrection proves that the Old Testament, as God spoke to the prophets, they spoke the truth. The resurrection proves that Jesus Christ, as he said he would, would rise. He spoke of that many times. It proves that, that Jesus told the truth. We're not misrepresenting him. There were eyewitnesses that saw this. And so Paul is saying we're rightly representing God. We're not false teachers. We're true teachers of God. Number four, uh, and extremely important for us personally, our sins are not still with us, but our sins have been removed. This is extremely important for, for the comfort and assurance and security of salvation that you should rest in as a believer. All people have sinned. But if your faith is in Christ, your sins have been removed by Jesus Christ. It was, it's by no accident, as we cover often, that Jesus died on the Passover. Why was that? That was the feast where God told Moses, told the Israelites to, to sacrifice the lamb, put the blood outside the door. God's wrath was going to come through. It would pass over the homes where the blood of the lamb had been sacrificed. What is this pointing to? Obviously, it's pointing to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world so that God's wrath for sin passes over those whom the blood of the Lamb has been sacrificed for. So our sins have been removed. How do we know that that worked? Uh, if he was still in the grave, we would have no assurance that this, this worked but he was raised for our justification. He ro rose so we know for sure our sins have been paid for. A Christian does not die with their sins. They die without them. Extremely important to think about that. You are going to die without your sins because Christ died and Christ rose for you. John eight twenty four says this, I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am with he, you will die in your sins. And Jesus is very clear here. The object of salvation, the object of faith for salvation of, from sin has to be him, who Jesus truly is. He is God. He is man. He lived. He died. He rose. He ascended into heaven. And if you do not believe that, you will die in your sins. Moving on, number five. Since Christ did rise from the dead, Christians who die do not perish but have everlasting life. This is extremely important to us as many of us have loved ones who are believers who have died and that we can rest assured that God's promises are true and that God, they are, that 
they have inheritance in heaven. They are in the presence of God. We cannot even imagine how wonderful that is, but we can rest knowing that they did not perish. It is not the end. It continues on. Uh, how can we rest assured that this is true? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And this not only goes for those who have perished, but again, just a, a reminder that, that we will stop as well, that our bodies will stop working. What is our hope? Our hope is tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and this is so vital for us in this life because if we do not want to live as those who live for this world and only for this world, we are going to rise. And we know this because of the resurrection. So for the believer, death is not the end, but is only the beginning of eternity. And this is, this is a nice tie-in that you should always remember as Easter comes around. We rise because he has risen. We rise because he has risen. And they're so tied together. It is not that the end of this life is perishing. If you've buried a loved one, as most of you have, it's extremely sad, extremely excruciating, but yet we do not mourn as those who mourn who are in the world. Why? Because Christ rose from the dead. It's extremely important to apply that truth at that time and as we think of our future afterlife as well. Number six, then Christians have, since Christ did rise from the dead, then Christians have no need to be pitied because we are the victors. We actually are victorious. So it goes for, he goes from, of all people on earth that deserve the most pity, it would be Christians if Jesus did not rise from the dead. But because he rose from the dead, turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. Look at the end of this chapter, 52 verse 50 through verse 57. Tyler read a portion of this earlier. Look at verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. We are victorious because Jesus is victorious. Over what? Over death. That's the tie-in here. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. He gives us that victory. Instead of being pitied, we would need to understand that we are victorious because Christ was victorious over these things as well. He, we, our perishable bodies will be raised imperishable. Our mortal bodies will be raised immortal. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. So, then, so Christians, instead of being pitied, should recognize that we are victorious because of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Uh, skip on down to verse 30 there in 1 Corinthians 15. Look, or look back to, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15. Just look at verse 30, 31, 32. As you read through 1 Corinthians 15, there's lots and lots of meat there. There's lots to cover that we're not going to exhaust today. We're just kind of picking these points out that we should apply because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And what happens if you don't? Um, look at verse 30. Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Jesus Christ our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Wow. And this goes back, if you're keeping notes, point number seven. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then life is meaningless. There is no meaning in this life, Paul says, if Christ did not rise from the dead. This, he, he, is, it, he says, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. In other words, he says, hedonism is actually better than Christianity if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Just all out hedonism, eat, drink, whatever this world has to offer, existential materialism, live for now, live for this, that's all there is. So eat, party, drink, eat, die, tomorrow. it doesn't matter. Life has no meaning at all if Christ did not rise from the dead. But since Christ did rise from the dead, Paul is willing to take all this pain, all this punishment, to get the gospel out so that people could be saved for eternity because the gospel is powerful because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, point number seven for the positive here. Since Christ did rise from the dead, it reverses what Paul says here. Instead of eat, drink, and tomorrow we die, life has no meaning. Because Christ did rise from the dead, life has tremendous meaning now. And this is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you will rise as well. How does the world around us live not knowing this? I mean, you turn on the news and you see it. It's all about them. It's all about pleasure. It's all about eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. They try to get the most stuff. They try to get the most pleasure. They try to get the most, most uh, happiness out of this life, but it's not connected to the glory of God. It's not connected to eternity. It's just connected to the here and the now. We as Christians take it the opposite way, right? And Paul says, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, you do it not for your glory, but you do it for the glory of God. So that your whole life, even the mundane, even the little things that you do in life, now it's not just for the pleasure of that moment, the happiness of that moment, but we do this for the glory of God. Your whole direction has been changed. Your whole day-to-day -day life has been changed. Now we walk in a way that, that reflects our salvation, that reflects Jesus rose from the dead, that reflects that we will rise, that we will be with him one day. Life has tremendous meaning now. Now, how do you live knowing that the dead are raised? We do not live just like the world. Knowing that the dead are raised, knowing that Jesus rose, knowing that you will rise, it literally changes everything. The fact that Jesus rose and that we will rise as well gives life a level of meaning that those in the world can never, ever understand. Because he rose... We can rest assured that we will rise. The truths of the resurrection should not come to us just as a reminder on Easter. Again, this truth should be just permeating in you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You should think of the resurrection of Christ. Again, not, you don't reserve these truths, and you guys know this, for just one day out of the year. You don't think of Jesus' incarnation 
the birth of Jesus only on Christmas, right? There's no need to reserve that great theology for that one moment of the year. And there's no need to reserve the resurrection for only this one day of the year. But yet, every time you pray, uh, you're not praying to a dead man. You're praying to God. You're praying to the God-man. You're praying to Jesus who rose from the dead, who hears your prayers and has all power, all right? So when you pray, you think of the resurrection. Uh, when you take of the Lord's Supper, what do you think of? You think of the death, but you think of the resurrection as well. Because as we eat and drink, it, we're guaranteed the promise that we will eat and drink again with him one day. Why is that? Because he rose from the dead. When you see someone get baptized, we have several getting baptized in a few weeks. Uh, when you see someone getting baptized, it represents the death burial also of Jesus Christ and that unity that we now have with that person or with the person of Christ because of his death and burial and resurrection, we have been raised as well. When you sin and need assurance of your forgiveness of sin, who do you turn to? You turn to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Uh, when you think of the gospel and that someone in your life needs to be saved, and what message do they need to hear? You need to think of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Uh, this, when you think, and we often do, life may have no purpose. Uh, you're beginning to feel meaningless. The mundane seems so mundane. It's like, ah, you think of, no, no, no. This life does have meaning. This life does have purpose. And I should do everything for the glory of God because Jesus rose from the dead. So, long story short, 1 Corinthians 15 is a wonderful passage to reflect on. Uh, and there's more meat there. You'll cover some of that in discipleship today. But it's very applicable to our daily lives. So again, not focusing on this resurrection only once through the year, but throughout the year because it changes everything and brings meaning back to your life. It brings focus to your life. It brings the power of the gospel back to your mind for your salvation and for others and lets you know you do have eternal life. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And they did not stay dead, but he took our sins, he took the wrath that we deserved, and he rose from the dead, declaring victory over death, hell, and the grave. And that is the victory that we have because of faith that is in him. We thank you, God, for giving us faith, for giving us repentance of sin. We thank you, God, for this clear message of the gospel that was presented by Paul. And as you gave it to Paul, and as Paul declared it to the Romans, to the Ephesians, to the, the Corinthians, and on down the list, you use that gospel to bring people to you for salvation. God, I pray even right now as people listen, Lord, and they think on their, their gospel that they believe in for salvation. Lord, I pray that they would make sure that it is the right gospel, that it is the complete Jesus that they have trusted in for their salvation. And God, help us to be more like Paul, who was willing to risk it all on a daily basis to get this message to those who needed it, because it has eternal impact. It can make an eternal difference. Uh, salvation from sin, salvation from the wrath they deserve, and the only cure is the gospel. God, empower us to present the gospel, and not a, just a gospel that is seeker-friendly or watered down, but help us to present 
the truths of the gospel, even when they're difficult, even when people may deny supernaturalism. Help us to present Jesus did die. He took our sins and rose from the dead and is victorious. And all who are in him have their sins removed and are indeed victorious. We thank you for that victory that we have in our lives.